welcome to the Proper Mental Podcast. Normalising open and honest conversations about mental health by having open and honest conversations about mental health. Welcome to episode 81 of the Proper Mental Podcast, and my guest this week is Laura Belbin, whose bio says she is a wife, a mother, a daughter, a sister, and a woman that you avoid eye contact with in the playground. But she's also an author, a blogger, a podcaster, and the content creator behind Knee Deep in Life. And that's Laura's blog. And she essentially uses humour, and mostly her doing daft things, but to talk about bigger topics. Stuff like parenting, in particular real life parenting, actual parenting, female empowerment, body acceptance and mental health, which is kind of where I come into the conversation, really. And Laura speaks very openly and very honestly about her own experiences with mental health, particularly postnatal depression, which she started to suffer with after the birth of her first child. And she kind of came back from that to some extent. And it was when she had a second child, she'd start to struggle again. And we kind of talk about that process and how she got back onto her feet. We talk about that in this episode. We also talk about having kids and the pressures of modern life and modern parenting and how that affects our mental health. We talk about postnatal depression. We talk about therapy. We talk about learning how to stop caring what people think. And we also talk about how Laura's mental health struggles affected the rest of her family. And I think that's a really important thing to talk about because when someone is struggling, it affects the people around them. And it doesn't matter how much they love you or how much they want to be there for you, it's going to take its toll. And it was lovely to hear Laura talk really openly about how her experiences affected her husband, Steve, and the rest of the family and how that dynamic shifted a bit later on when Steve was to experience his own struggles with mental health. It's a wonderful conversation Laura was just amazing to chat to. We got on like a house on fire and I thought it was really cool and really interesting because most of the time when I reach out to people to come on this podcast and have a chat, you don't quite know what to expect. You know, you only see social media or their websites or whatever. You don't quite know who you're going to get on what day because Laura's whole thing is about being 100% herself, about being authentic and just showing up as she is. I knew exactly what I was going to get and exactly who I'd be talking to. And that was really nice. And it just meant we could just fall straight into a really lovely conversation. As she nearly had to cancel on the morning because she lost her voice. And then she was late because she had to stop to rescue a baby bird that had fallen out of a tree. Which if you follow Laura on her socials, that's exactly the sort of thing that you'd expect, right? So just by turning up, she just showed up authentically and completely herself. And yeah, it was great. We had a lot of fun. Like I said, we got on really well and we go to some dark places in this conversation. We talk about the hard stuff, but there's a lot of fun stuff in there as well. I'd highly recommend giving her a follow on social media. Her socials are brilliant. They're so funny. But like I said before, using that humour to connect with people and then talk about important things. So you can give her a follow at Knee Deep in Life on all social media platforms. She's also got a book out. It's called Shame. Um, I think it's out soon. I should have checked the date really before I started recording this, but I'm sure she'll be posting about it. I'm sure you can pre-order it wherever you like to pre-order your books from. 
If you'd like to follow me or keep up with the show, head to at Proper Mental Podcast on all social media platforms, particularly Instagram. It's where I tend to spend my time. And if you'd like to support the podcast, then rate, review, subscribe, all that sort of stuff on whatever platform you are using to listen to it. So this is episode 81 of the Proper Mental Podcast with Laura Belbin, aka Knee Deep in Life. Thank you very much for listening. Enjoy. So here we are with another episode of the Proper Mental Podcast. And my guest this week is Laura Belbin. How are you, mate? I'm good. I'm good. How are you? I mean, I'm, I'm losing my voice, but... <laughs> yeah, other than that, you're fine though, right? Other than that, I'm great. Oh, fantastic. It sounds, we were just chatting about it then, but it sounds like you've had quite an eventful morning to, to, it's so just, far. It's a standard day in the life of Laura, basically. Yeah, just uh, just standard, you know, rescued a baby bird, brought it home. It's in a box nurturing it I might you know throw up some stuff into its mouth later who knows <laughs> yeah who knows I mean at least you don't have to think of content today right it's just <laughs> yeah. presented itself it's just yeah. there <laughs> <laughs> oh mate but yeah thank you so much for joining me I really really appreciate it um and I was trying to think of like the best place for us to start really and I thought it might be interesting to go to go back a bit before the blog before Knee Deep in Life and the yeah. books and the podcast and everything that came with it yeah to what you kind of did before that and more about maybe what sort of person were you before that, Laura? Have you always been this kind of like outgoing, fearless person or is that something you've had to learn how to do along the way? Um, I definitely had to learn it. So as a kid, I was I was painfully shy, like which I think blows people's minds. I didn't ever want to like my mum forced me to go to brownies. I didn't want to, you know, hang out with my friends. I wanted to be at home. I love drama. I, and that was kind of probably where I let myself go the most is when I was on the stage and I was doing something stupid and I could just not be me for a while. Um, and then, yeah, in, in my twenties, horrifically insecure about myself, about my body, about who I was, whether I was enough. And I think the experience of becoming a mum has, has been the, the most transformative part of my life, I think, because I struggled so much in, in a, a place I never thought I'd struggle. Like I always wanted to be a mum. It always felt like that was an easy thing for me to be. And then I became a mum and it was so fucking hard and I suffered really badly. It was PTSD. Uh, um, I, like I had really bad panic, but it was misdiagnosed as depression. Um, and I think that that's the, the last time when I had Toby, who's my youngest, who's six, um, I really lost myself for quite a period of time and I came back from that and I just thought I I don't I don't know what it is that I need to change but I need change I need something I need something and you know I used to do a lot of stupid things on my own personal page of, on Facebook you know I do stupid exercise videos I do a lot of the stuff that I do now and I would just do it for my friends and some of my friends were like Laura why are you not like doing this on a platform then I was just one day it was just the most off the cuff fuck it I'm just gonna do it Steve left for work the kids were watching telly and I just thought fuck it and I created knee deep in life and that was it um and like I had toyed with the idea of it but that was that real moment where I just thought I want something different I want I know that I'm funny I enjoy making people laugh um 
and that that was kind of like that shift for me where I I probably really kind of lent into this idea of who I wanted to be yeah yeah Um, that's wonderful I think like we I love the idea that we can just decide to do things differently and then learn on the job right because we're always like we a lot of people want to make changes and then we're always waiting waiting to be ready to make the changes right people like I'll go to the gym when I lose a stone I'll wait till I'm more flexible to start yoga whatever it is and sometimes we've got to just learn on the job right and just kind of just jump in and and let it happen yeah 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 and I really love that like what you've just said it's so true like we're always waiting but and and I can really like um I think a lot of people can but that really resonates with me of waiting like for my mental health to be better, to do something, waiting to be funnier, to do something, waiting to be, waiting for someone to come to me and and ask me or invite me or confirm for me all of the things that are already there inside me. I've just got to, I've just got to learn to find it. Yeah, definitely. It's kind of, it's that thing, isn't it? That's always on those like really hippie um, Instagram memes, you know, everything you need is already inside you. And yeah, all that. yeah, yeah, yeah. We write that off as like cheese on toast, but it, it is true, isn't it? It, it is, it is, yeah. it is true. And um, we have to kind of learn to, to, to dig that out in ourselves, but then to trust it, to trust yeah. like that innate feeling that just, just to go with what, with what feels right almost, you know, yeah. but I think that's, we can, we can get it all it can get lost can it you know it's hard to know what what is right and what we want and so very interested in what you said there about not always being as outgoing as you are now because we also think that um just because we're one thing now we have to be that thing forever right so we tell ourselves don't we We like i'm a shy person i'm a shy person that becomes like a mantra and then we do we we live in accordance to that but we can change these things as well right we can just Yeah. yeah yeah no and it's so true and i think you know up until this last year I've always kind of resigned myself to the fact that I live with anxiety and now I'm like well I don't have to I can I can find strategies so that okay yes I have anxiety and it is a I have a mental health condition that needs to be looked after but that doesn't necessarily mean it's something that limits me uh, and it's a hundred percent limited me in my life um, up until well, up until very recently. It's it's definitely made me go, I can't do that because, you know, I'm not this enough or I'm not that enough. Yeah, sure. I think sometimes the the mental health, particularly when it leads to like a big episode or a breakdown yeah. or a really like big event that happens, and it's certainly like with my own experience, there was a lot of stuff bubbling along before that. And it yeah. was, you know, like I, I always used to think of the first time I got sick as like this big thing that happened. And then it was only through investigating. I realized, oh, no, that was happening for a long time. That yes. was happening. You know, there was there was plenty yeah. of camel's backs and straws all over the place before we got to before <laughs> yeah. we got to this point. Right? And yeah. was that kind of um, your experience as well with um, with your own mental health? Laura? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, it is, you know, you're kind of hitting the nail on the head every time with everything you're saying, because for me, um, it's it's been through being in therapy for the last you know I've been what well, I've been in therapy for just over a year now and I'm it's intense but it's really made me sit with a lot of past issues and made me go fuck I thought I had a breakdown when I had the kids but in actual fact I've had multiple breakdowns throughout my life but they were smaller they were still pretty major but they were so much smaller that they didn't seem like a breakdown they just seemed like a weird oh okay what the fuck's going on with Laura you know and then I kind of came back to myself and 
every single time I've had those moments, they've gradually got worse. And the last one being the most petrifying one by far. Um, and that it's frustrating, isn't it? Because you all like, there's a part of me that thinks for fuck's sake, why didn't you see it sooner? Because then you didn't have to go to that fucking awful place. But I did go there. And I think, you know, for any survivor of mental health, um, when you come back from it, there is a real moment of, yeah, actually, I'm a lot fucking stronger than I give myself credit for. Yeah, very much so. And almost like I always describe describe it as like a really human experience. Yes. You know, I, I come out the other side and I'm still working on it now. You know, I'm still figuring stuff out. But yeah, it, the the emotions and the the feelings and the conversations, there's something so human about it afterwards. Mm-hmm. And it's almost like you come out the other side with a, a sort of, a vulnerability and a, and a, I don't quite know what the word is like a freshness and a, you know, the, the world looks a little bit different and you have to work out how you're nav- going to navigate the world. And that is scary, but it also means you can put some stuff in, you can put yeah. some of these learnings in, right. And think, okay, yeah. I don't have to go back to what it was. I can yeah. start again from what it is now and make it what yeah. I want it to be. Right. Yeah. 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 And I, I think that's probably the most wholesome and refreshing thing about your mental health is it can make you feel like you're trapped and that you'll never go beyond the existence of being that person that carries that weight. And I don't know about you, but for me, like I've had so many conversations with myself over this last year where I've gone, wow, I have carried so many other people's shit with me and it's not been mine to carry. And I need to forgive myself for that. And I need to let go and go, it's time for me to realize this is not mine. You know, this is, this is not my trauma or this is not my conversation. This is not me. This is someone's projected thought of who I am. I've taken it. It, You know, it's like the whole, you can be given a hundred positive comments. You get one horrible comment and the human reaction is, and it's okay to admit this because it's a normal human reaction. We will focus on the one negative and it's so hard to focus on the fact that that one negative comment is a projection of what that person thinks of you. It's not a true fact. Um, And, you know, I always felt like such a a weirdo or a freak for, for really being very hurt, angry and upset when people have said things about me. And I'm like, but that's not, that's not who I am. Am I? And it's really made me question, am I an arsehole? You know, like, am I actually that person they're saying I am? And, and now I realize actually, you know, it's okay for them to feel or think that way about me. It doesn't make it a fact. Um, so a lot of inner chats in this last year is, has been really, really important for me. Yeah. When that inner voice kind of slowly turns on us, I can't mm. remember the time. I can't remember a time like my inner voice wasn't like pretty nasty to myself, but you become so used to it. Right. And yeah. it just becomes the norm. And then this whole idea that, oh, hang on a minute. I don't have to talk to myself like that. Yeah. You know, you mentioned forgiveness there, you know, being able to forgive yourself. And I think we kind of quite often we look for other people, don't we, to to forgive us, you yeah. know, and but, yes. when, yeah. but we don't need anyone else's permission to, no. to put that to put that stuff down, you know, and I suppose yeah. like it just popped into my head there that there's that whole um, Buddha thing of, you know, realizing you are not your thoughts. And that's like so yeah. powerful when you first realize that. But it's more important to realize you're not fucking anyone else's thoughts. Yeah, that's yeah, what, yeah. Yeah. Just to kind of like to level up on Buddha there. That's yeah. uh, that should be the the Instagram meme going. Yeah. Around. <laughs> <laughs> no, but it's, it's I think that it's refreshing, but there's no doubt. 
And there is no denying the fact that it's a really hard place to get to, isn't it? Because you can sit with someone who's in their darkest moment and you can say these things. And, you know, for someone obviously like you, you've suffered, you understand that it's so difficult to get somebody to understand, A, you will get through this, but also B, all these things that are going around in your head right now, they are not fact. You know, there are many facts about the world, about life. You know, the world is round. That is a fact. Boris Johnson is a twat. That is a fact. You know, there are there are many facts about life. But the way that you speak about yourself is not is not a fact. It's it's things that you have either been told through other people, learned behavior, trauma. You know, there's so many different reasons as to why we are so negative in the way that we speak to ourselves. And uncovering that for me has been probably the most um, helpful thing I could have ever done. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Sorry, you're my in the background. It's all fucking going on today. <laughs> all going on today. <laughs> it's, um, yeah, I think that it, you've, that's a really, really good point. And I think it's really easy for two people who have kind of like, been through something and done a lot of work to kind of like sit and talk about this bit of it but it is really important to I I think back to when I was really poorly and like it's almost like I can almost it's almost like not true it's almost like a different life it's so hard to put yourself back in those totally yeah Yeah. the first time I talked about it on this on this podcast when I first started before I put it out I made my wife listen to it to fact check it Cause like, I'm not sure I'm even like, some of this is so alien. Like I know it happened, but did it really happen? And I was yeah. like, you need to make sure I'm not, I haven't made this up, you know, because yeah. um, it's really, really hard to picture being in it once you come out of it. And yeah. I suppose that's like when we have these conversations, that's um, yeah, I love that point. That's really important for us to, to remember, you know, not everyone who listens, not everyone who needs this conversation is going to be at that point where it's all, no. you know, we're looking back of it with that therapy mindset, you know? Yeah. And also, I think, you know, it, it always comes down to forgiveness as well, wherever you are. And like you, you've also said, you're still working on it. I'm still working. I'm still in fucking therapy. You know, I think that we as a society, we are amazing, fucking amazing at showing the polished turd edition of like, oh, I'm better now. Everything's great. I'm happy. I don't need to do any work anymore. It's just fixed. And it's bullshit because you just don't get fixed. You know, like if 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 it was that easy, we would take a pill and nobody would suffer the way that they do. You know, we wouldn't have to put the amount of hard work we put in. And I've definitely lived an extreme level of ignorance in my life with regards to how I saw my mental health and how I felt I could manage it. And I've had mm-hmm. to learn such a hard lesson that it's... Uh, it's a lot of self-investment it's a lot of believing and deserving and knowing you deserve better for yourself yeah definitely Um, and often like I kind of think everything I've learned about me I've learned the hard way as well yeah I know isn't it shit it really why why can't why can't it just for once in our fucking lives be easy but I actually saw something the other day and it really resonated with me and it it was um it said if speaking to ourselves badly worked it would have worked by now <laughs> and it's true isn't it it's perfect isn't it it's yeah. so fucking true like why are we why are we doing this and I also think there's a lot of a lot of people say oh I know I just suffer with anxiety or oh no I just I don't like to be in social situations and we pass it off as a a life limiting reason as to why we can't grow why we can't change why we can't go on to do more things and I definitely 
have felt that way. I think that knee deep in life happened to me on a, on a whim. I, I, obviously, I wanted to be successful, but at this scale, no way. Never in a million years did I ever think this would happen. And so that's been quite hard for me to come to terms with. And I realized that along the way, I was just permanently expecting external validation. So I needed other people to tell me I was good enough. And when they didn't, I was like, oh my God, I'm not good enough. They don't think I'm good enough. And like you said a minute ago, I now look back at me and I go, what the fuck? Why, why was I, why did I do that? Like, that was so stupid. Why did I need somebody to tell me I'm good enough? Like, I just do that to myself now. But what a moment though, and like, you must get that, where you look back and you go, fucking hell, look how far I've come. Yeah. I was yeah. that person. I'm no longer that person anymore. Yeah, you know, definitely. That, that, that barrier that we sit with of, oh, I'm just no good at, being in social circles or I can't take that job because it's this or whatever like it's that doesn't have to be your life you can go on to grow and do all the things you want to do you've just got to you've got to work on it yeah yeah definitely and I, I was I used to go down these rabbit holes you know I used to think oh, if I read all the books you know yeah. if I read all the books I'll find the answers if I yeah. you know I was constantly looking for that that outside source of mm-hmm. you know I thought I'd find that information that, and you know I'd listen to all the podcasts and I'd watch all the YouTube videos and I'll do this to try and find this one answer and then when I couldn't find it because it doesn't exist in a book because I have to find it for my for myself like you just said yeah. um well that was another stick to beat myself with then right yeah so then it becomes like well that person on Instagram said they read that book and it changed their life well I read it <laughs> I still fucking hate myself, right? So I must be really rubbish, you know? And it just becomes this, like that circle that just keeps going and going and going. And um, yeah, it's, it, it takes some breaking, doesn't it? It takes- Yeah, it does. Yeah. And it's fucking exhausting because, you know, during that process, you're going up and down. And I'm sure there are people listening to this that are nodding their head and going, yep, that's me. You go up and down and you hit that low moment. And you're like, this is it. This is it forever. I'm fucked. I'm never going to get better. And you come out of it, you go, oh, that's all actually nothing bad happened. And then you go down again <laughs> and you're like, for fuck's sake, I'm never going to come out of it. And then you do. And yet, you go, you think, how the fuck can my brain be so limited in going every single fucking time? No, this is it now. I'm doomed. I'm going to die this time for sure. <laughs> it's like i suppose it's like it's pro it's the programming right it's our programming it is, you have yeah. to kind of like learn to rewrite that script or whatever it is that programmers do and try and yeah. change change your own narrative yeah so you, you mentioned um getting uh poorly ar- around the birth of both your your children there laura so after the the first time did you kind of did you get yourself out of that did you come out of that 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 darkness in between the two births yeah i did so there's four years eight months between the boys uh so when i had Elliot like I just yeah I realize now that it was PTSD because it's like boom all of a sudden I'm like whoa what the fuck I'm not sleeping I'm not eating it happens really quickly and I realize now that obviously that's because I'm triggered and I'm feeling like I've got to protect my I've got to protect this thing and it's really overwhelming and I don't know what the fuck I'm doing I can't sleep because my body's in fight or flight um but I obviously didn't know that back then and I went for acupuncture and that that seemed to work and I was I I didn't want to I think I started anti I did I started antidepressants like two three days and they made me feel funny so I came off them um and then I just kind of like you know bimbled through but even at like four years 
you know, when, when Elliot was four, I was still too scared to stay in the house all day with him because of how traumatic that was in the early days. So we, even if I went to the shop, I'd always make sure I didn't stay in the house all day with him. Now that is a alarm bell really, because I should have clocked the fact that that's not normal. Um, and then I fell pregnant with Toby and I just thought it'd be fucking easy. It's fine. I'm not worried. I know what I'm doing now. And then again, the same exact same thing. I didn't sleep. I didn't eat, but it was much more intense. Um, and that was really, really overwhelming. And then, you know, my doctors, unfortunately have never correctly supported me through those crises. Um, and I did end up on antidepressants, uh, with Toby and sleeping medication um which I weaned myself off of both eventually but I never started therapy um I think I really denied myself that and yet if I hadn't denied it and I had done it I do truly believe actually I wouldn't have suffered the way that I had um but who knows who knows who fucking knows who Who knows knows? yeah I would have have known a lot more about myself that's for sure yeah sure did you have any um like specific reasons that you knew about for not wanting to engage in therapy or was that like a subconscious thing or what was the resistance there mate I think it's because I knew that for me to have suffered with my mental health the way that I had with the boys I knew that there was something there that needed to be discussed discovered talked about the bonds that I lacked with them, the guilt that I carried for not breastfeeding them, um, you know, like all of the, the things that I, as a mother, I always thought I wanted, I always thought I yearned for. Um, and then, you know, growing up through school, I was the shy, quiet one. I had big teeth. I had frizzy hair. I had freckles. No boys went near me. I always felt like when Steve, who I'm, I've been with for 20 years, when I got with Steve I actually said to him like if someone paid you to go out with me like because I really just I know that sounds really sad and pathetic but I just couldn't believe that he would want to be with someone like me and I look back now and I'm like actually you were beautiful Laura you were a really stunning girl but I lacked such confidence in myself and my self-worth and my self-esteem I've never and up until now I've never worked on either of those things I now recognize how important those things are in my life and how much I lacked them Um, so I think a lot of those things really went towards me not believing that I was worthy of the life that I had. Um, and yeah, you know, just, I think life beats you up along the way and you don't realize it, the nicks and the bumps and the scratches and the bruises, you know, you don't see them, but you feel them. And I think that when you don't address them in real time and you don't go acknowledge, and I don't know about you, but for me up until now, I have resisted any emotion other than happiness, joy. And because, you know, like, I don't want to sit with my feelings. I don't want to be sad. So if I ever felt like that, I'd just push it away, push it away, push it away. Learned behavior. We all, we know that's learned behavior, but it's not healthy behavior. And there's only so long you can do that before boom you explode yeah and and modern life makes that so easy so if I don't want to feel something I can eat it I can Netflix it I can drink it you know like the list goes on it's so easy to um avoid these things and it's something that I found out 
I've found myself exploring more and more since I've had this podcast in particular is we sometimes look at mental health as like this thing where we don't feel great. And if you go for a run and do a bit of yoga and eat your vegetables, then it'll be okay. Yeah. Um, there's like, there's like another level underneath this underlying thing. And it's, it's where we talk about stuff like low self-esteem, mm-hmm. authenticity, you know, are you being true to yourself? Are you being kind to yourself? Those are the real factors for me. You know, all this other stuff is great when you're well, it's yeah. great to maintain wellness, yeah, yeah, but when yeah. you're not well, there's this underlying foundation of stuff that we just don't know about that we just don't like talk about in the same way that we talk about going for a run because it's good for your mental health right it's like drilling down drilling down deeper you know what my therapist has this really good analogy I fucking hate it because it always means I've got to go deeper but it's true imagine a tree and your tree has got low-lying fruit you don't want the low-lying fruit you want the root of the tree a low-lying fruit feels like the issue. It feels like the thing you need to grab to fix, but that isn't the thing. The thing is what the fruit has grown from in its root. <coughs> I've kind of elaborated what she means, but that's basically it. Yeah. It, we always, we can go for a run. We can do yoga, but if you don't do that work, and the work is painful, isn't it? It's not easy. If you don't do that work, if you don't commit to, I need to, I need to understand why, then the yoga, the running, it won't ever truly actually get rid of that shit feeling, that horrible, mm. sticky shit that just doesn't seem to remove itself from you. Yeah, I, I really identified with, with what you said as well as that kind of your reluctance to therapy. And I had a very, very similar experience. And now I kind of understand it as like, even though I was really, miserable I was really unhappy that was familiar to me Mm. and it was like as soon as I admit that something's wrong Mm. I'm gonna have to do something about it and that's Mm. gonna be hard and I'm scared of it so I'm just gonna sit here for a little bit longer you know I'm just gonna because where I am now is awful but at least I know it at least it's familiar to me oh hell I fucking deserve it so I might as well just sit here and steal it oh my god I'm pretty sure we've gone through the exact same breakdown Yeah. I also know that my um my second mine both uh, have kind of like bookended by children as well. Oh um, really? So there's, there's, there's quite some similarities going on there. But um my my children were quite close together, so I was still like in the midst of everything when we had the the second one. Um but yeah, the the second time I broke down was a direct result of the first one not being dealt with properly. Yeah. But I would go around and say I'm looking after my mental health, you know, yeah. I did a, did a bit of therapy and I'd go and have a chat. I wasn't even telling the truth half the time. Yeah. I was like leaving bits out and, you know, like making my own narrative. And um, yeah. yeah, it's, I, th- I think that's really common as well. Right. It's just kind yeah. of going, going through the motions. Yeah. Just you talk about your mental health doesn't mean you're talking about your mental health. No, no, it doesn't mean you're actually talking about the good, the bit, the, the, the juicy bit, the good bit. I mean, I say the good bit, it's not, it's fucking horrible, but it's the bit that we need to talk about. And yeah, I, I think like I, I, I mean, I'm completely in love with my therapist. Um, and I, you know, I've, I've said to her on so many occasions, she saved my life. She is very skilled in what she does and she, she just, she doesn't fuck about. And so uh, I remember sort of like in the very early days of therapy and her, you know, I was scooting around the issue of like, oh, I think it's this. Oh, I think it's that. She was like, okay, that's fine. And then as soon as she went, what about this? And I went, no. I don't want to talk about that. She's like, okay, so that's what we need to talk about. And I'm like, no, I don't want to do it. <laughs> and then you do it and you go, oh, why did I resist? Because I feel better now that I've let go of that. Like, 
I don't what kind of do you mind me asking what kind of therapy you did um I I'm still I'm still doing it I'm just actually in the process of um, starting with a new therapist I'm kind of trying something a little bit different um I don't really know just lots of just talking based stuff um so the guy I worked with Sean um three years I've been working with Sean wow um yeah we just kind of like just talking I think he uses a few different types and he kind of blends them depending yeah. on, on what's what's needed you know and um yeah sometimes I've oh, crikey I've gone in there for an hour and not said anything <laughs> just yeah. sat, on his, sat on his couch and stared into space and had a bit of a cry you know we've done that type of therapy too yeah. but um yeah so it's nothing there wasn't anything specific or certainly nothing that I've got a name for that I use yeah um yeah just kind of honesty was the thing for me as soon as yeah. I started trying to be more honest um but yeah it's like you say it's hard and no one tells us how to talk about these things right so you turn up at therapy and they're like what do you want to talk about and you're like well i've been pretending i'm okay for so long <laughs> yeah I, I can fall into my story at the drop of a hat yeah. <laughs> I, can, I can click my fingers and tell you my tale of woe but it's you know it's i don't even feel anything when i'm saying it you know yeah. so we have to learn how to how to dig into these things and understand these things and yeah yeah it's tough huh yeah it's yeah tough. i mean it's shit you know <laughs> and i don't know whether we're giving anybody hope right now they're listening to yeah shit but it's not because it is shit, but it's not shit, but it's, it's such a weird experience. And I think I speak to so many people who resist the idea. And I also think the limited availability of access to therapy is appalling. Um, I talk is overrun and it is not correctly um, funded. So you know, you've got people that are, are effectively in crisis and where do they turn to? You do have local charities in the area. Thank God, you know, our, our local mind charity does uh, CBT therapy and they do so many support groups, uh, which is incredible. But imagine being that person that doesn't know where the fuck to start. You yeah. know, where do you start with it? That's the biggest challenge, right? Is the signposting because mm-hmm. there, you know, there are some amazing things out there. But you don't really know about mental health stuff until you start living yeah. in that world. I was poorly. I didn't know. I didn't know. I'd never heard of mind. I'd never heard of calm. I'd never heard of all these people that are all doing amazing mental health work, all the big names yeah. in the community and stuff. Never heard of them. Not a thing. Yeah. Didn't even know it even existed. And that's the hard bit, isn't it? Is the, it tends to be, it's like you don't know until it's almost too late that's when you sort of find out all these things and now like i hear about something like oh that would have been brilliant yeah <laughs> could have done with that if you i know yeah. yeah but then i do think to myself the reality is i wouldn't have accessed it a couple of years ago because no, i would have gone no i don't need it no i'm all right i'm all right i don't need it i don't need it no i'm yeah. all right and i think that covid really kicked everybody in the ass i think that there's a lot of people now that weren't struggling with their mental health i mean steve has been quite happy for me to talk about his mental health but he's really struggled these last six months. And I think he, you know, he, for anybody that doesn't know my situation last year, I had, you know, the biggest breakdown of my life. Um, I was suicidal. I got taken to hospital um, and was very quickly discharged depressingly with no help or support put in place for me. Um, And Steve did become my full-time carer. He was caring for our children. Um, I was, I was panic. I was having panic attack on top of panic attack on top of panic attack. And I didn't know that. I just kept thinking I was going to die. Um, and, you know, quite honestly, death would have been easier than living the life that I was living at that time. It was really fucking awful. And I think that all the things about my life that I wasn't okay with from my early years 
to my teen life, to becoming a mother, all of those struggles, all of the trauma that I've suffered, it got to a point where it went, I can't carry this for you anymore, Laura. And it just exploded. And it was terrifying. It was really, really terrifying. Um, And so for a partner who's been with his wife for 20 years, to see her go from being the person that literally fucking calls the shots, she cooks the dinner, she looks after the kids, she, she does everything, to then being a quivering wreck that is having panic attacks within every hour. Um, it was really hard for him. And like he said, you know, I went from being terrified that you were going to kill yourself to then having to go back to, okay, Laura's okay now. And he was at home for four months with me. And then he went back to work. And I think that there was just such an accumulation of having to be okay. I've got to be okay because Laura's okay now. Why am I not okay? I'm not acknowledging the fact that actually that was really fucking traumatic. Um, And it kind of came to a head for him at the end of last year. And now Steve has always been kind of typecast by everybody, my family, his family, as the stable one, the strong one the able-bodied one, the one that's always there, the dependable one. Now, that's a hell of a lot of pressure. It's a lot to expect of a man. Not a man, actually, because that's like, oh, poor men. I don't mean it like that. It's a lot to expect of anybody, of any human being, to provide that level of monotone calm because humans aren't built that way. Nobody is. And so he's had to do a lot of unlearning and relearning this year about himself. And it's been a wonderful experience because I've seen him develop into something I've never met before in a wonderful way, not a bad way. He still annoys the shit out of me. He still pisses me off. You know, he's he's still my husband of 20 years that I fucking hate when he chooses food. But what he's had to go through in the process has redefined who he is. And as his wife, it's, you know, kind of been an honour to sit and watch kind of happen but I think that this is a direct result of COVID COVID is is hitting a lot of people that have gone no I'm fine I don't have any issues and then it's like hang on the elephant in the room is saying yes there are issues and there's no denying the fact that there are issues and we can't ignore them anymore yeah definitely all that that quiet time you know those distractions we mentioned earlier suddenly a lot of them are gone right and you you know whatever it is you've been pretending isn't there you suddenly have to have to kind of have that conversation with but um it was lovely just then hearing you talk about steve there laura and i i think that's such an important conversation to have is when we go through something is the person that goes through it with us that you know they kind of probably like expected it less than we do you know like it's so it's so so hard and my wife and i um we did an episode of this podcast and we kind of went through yeah we went through my story but from her point of view and still now you know i'm like i'm almost 100 episodes deep and still now it's the episode that we've had the most messages and emails wow and it was all from listen to it oh mate yeah it's right back at the start and uh, we just sat at the kitchen table we pressed record and we just had a chat in our pajamas with a cup of tea kids in bed upstairs and we just had a chat and um it's it's still the one and in that episode that i learned things about our relationship you know and i never really realized what i put her through because depression in particular is a selfish disease it is completely and it you you, hating yourself is still making it all about you (laughs) you know you might be doing something nasty to yourself but it's still it was still all about me and it was only afterwards out the other side um 
you know, and it, it really makes you think. And I think that's a convers a part of the mental health conversation that doesn't really exist and that it's lovely for people to talk about is when, you know, when we go through something with someone, whether we like it or not, right? You know, mm. St- Steve didn't have a choice, same way as you didn't have a choice, and he had to kind yeah. of go to those depths with you. And um, yeah, it's, yeah, it's, it's beautiful to hear you talk about it. And I think it's just it's really, really important, really important. Yeah, and I, I just think it's, you know, you can see how it sounds awful. You can see how relationships break down, 100%. you know, because, um, you know, we've been through a lot, and Steve has obviously witnessed me have you know the breakdowns I've had with the boys um but he's never had to physically take time out of out of life to to care for me he's never had to do that before and um I guess that having gone through that process of seeing me at my most vulnerable I mean he's seen me give birth to our children he's seen me in every which way position possible do you know what I mean and that was never the most vulnerable last year was where I was my most vulnerable because he was effectively like my parent. He was having to, you know, very softly speak to me, cuddle me, you know, kind of reassure me. And like you say, it in a selfish way, because there was no room for him to not be okay. He had to be okay. There was no option for him to find it difficult. He just had to carry on. Um, And that's hard. And like, you know, I just, I adore him for that. I adore him because he went through it and he didn't give up on me. He didn't walk away. Uh, and I, you know, our relationship is always going to be a work in progress. Every relationship is, isn't it? It doesn't matter what, whether it be a partnership or a friendship, every relationship is a work in progress. But um, yeah, I feel like we're very lucky to have each other because we've gone through all of it and we're still, we're still there hanging on to each other the other side. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. How's he doing now, Laura, if you don't mind me asking? Yeah, he's actually doing really, really well. Uh, This is the first time, uh, like I said, 20 years, first time I've ever, ever known him work on himself and his mental health. And he's learning so much about himself and he's doing a lot of the work himself too. He's read a lot. Um, He's had to have a lot of uncomfortable conversations with himself could he go deeper? Yeah. But, you know, like I've said to him, Rome wasn't built in a day, Steve. It's, it's one day at a time. And, you know, um, he's been honest with himself. And that's something that he he's never done before because he, I don't think he's ever been, been allowed. He's never been given the option, the luxury to be able to turn around and say, what do I want? And this is what I said to him a little while ago. I said, it's not about what anyone else wants, Steve. It's about what do you want? What does Steve want? Um and work on that. And that's not selfish. And I think the only reason and reason why I've been able to be that partner to him is because I'm in therapy and because I've done the work and I've had to work out for myself what's going on in my life. So yeah, it it takes work. It all takes work, doesn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Very much so. And once the, once we kind of like move past the sadness element, it's quite exciting as yeah. well you know because it's, it's kind of like a not a fresh start that's not the right expression but the the learning and the and the, the things that we can uncover along the way there is something quite exciting about that into kind yeah. of like you know putting down like you said all that stuff we've been carry, carrying and let's start afresh and, and do it's something redefining new. I think is redefining who you are and recognizing a lot of the things that maybe you felt lived with all of your life probably potentially have learned behaviors learnt attitudes have all been a direct result of someone else's shit 
And when you can go, I don't have to deal with that, regardless of where it's come from, regardless of how awful that feels because you're having to acknowledge things you might not want to acknowledge. When you're able to go, but that's not me. It's like you you can go, okay, I, this, this is me. This is who I am. Um, and, you know, this time last year, I didn't have any visible tattoos. I had a slag tag on my back that all girls that lived through the 90s got. I had uh, I had long black hair. I was very much a quintessential looking Susie homemaker mum, with the exception of the fact I got my bangers out on the internet. But nobody really knew that in society unless they knew me deep in life. But I now have got bright red hair. I've shaved some of my hair off. I'm covered in tattoos. And the people that have, and I've got piercings as well. And the people that have known me, know me the best, know me the longest have gone. It's weird, Laura, because you've gone through such a massive change. But actually, all I see now is you. The person that was inside actually is now represented on the outside, like this really charismatic, bubbly person that's just like, hi, I'm Laura. And I don't care what I look like. This is what I want to look like. You're there now. You're there. This is who you are. And that's been really lovely because it's like, it's another layer of just being able to unfold who you are and discover who you are, you know? Yeah. Yeah. That is lovely. And just hearing you describe it then, that sounds really empowering. Yeah, that, That freedom to it. It just sounds awesome. And do you think that that's why so many people have connected with what you do through the blog is that, I can't, I was trying to think about if I was going to like sum up some aspects of, of the stuff that you, you put out and it's almost, how can I phrase it in the mental health conversation, right? We talk about how people don't like talking about it. Yeah. Often those people, all they need is permission. They need someone yeah. to go first. And I kind of think like what your blog does is it kind of gives people a little bit permission. You're the yeah. one who goes first and yeah. says, this is what I'm going to fucking do. And then everyone else goes, Hey, maybe I could do that. You know? And that, that's kind of the feel that, that I, that yeah. I get from it. But then I think that that statement actually perfectly sums me up as a person. So if there's like a group thing and it's like somebody needs to go first and I can see nobody else wants to go, I'll go fuck it up. Yeah, I'll go. I'll do it. And I'll go first. I think I'll break the ice. That's all right. I don't mind if I make a bit of a tip myself. I don't care if I don't know what I'm doing. I'll, I'll, I'll jump in with both feet and I'll give it a go. And I think that... Um, that's probably, you know, I, I want to empower people to understand that the conversation that they have or the things that they want in their life, whether it be a different partner, whether it be a different job, whether it be to write a fucking book. People go to me, I can't write a book because I'm not famous enough like you or I've not got a, you know, I've not got enough followers. And I go, why the fuck not? Who, who are you waiting to write this book for? If you want to write it, you write it for you, babe. You fucking do it, you know? If you want to change your job, if you want to, you know, have a not have any more children, like whatever, or you don't want to have children, whatever the fuck it is, like really sit with that feeling that that you have inside and go, what do I want? I want to do this. We'll fucking do it. And I I love the idea of being or having empowered people, mainly women. My audience is mostly women, but you know, empowering anybody to go, yeah, I'm going to give it a go. Because worst case scenario, you don't enjoy it where it doesn't work and then you just learn something about life you know yeah yeah definitely it's just so important isn't it i think to have to someone out there who's willing to say the things that are all in people's heads and yeah. we get it around that like the parenting conversation is is the worst for it right because yeah. we're all in the same space all pretending that we're doing yeah. everything right and doing everything <laughs> yeah. perfect. none of us are like yeah. not one single person and yet 
you know, but it just takes one person to say, do you know what? I'm having a bit of shit time. My kids are dicks. They're pissing me off. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, so I'm going to like stick them in front of the telly and go and eat some chocolate. Yeah. And then suddenly everyone goes, oh yeah, that's kind of like what I want to do. Or that's the thing that I don't dare say. And, you yeah. know, but it's, it's just so important, I think, to just kind of like, just, just talk about this stuff and just, yeah. just be it. Right. And I don't know if are your children's school age. One of them is. Yeah. Okay. Um, so like in lockdown like having to do homeschooling and like I was so fucking bad at it I'm dyslexic anyway so like fucking hell my kids are fucked from the get-go but <clears throat> trying to get my children enthusiastic about you know fucking maths well I don't even know my nine times table or like being like right okay I'm gonna create on the French doors going into the garden I'm going to create like a whiteboard and I'm gonna have my whiteboard markers and I'm gonna do maths with you and then my fucking kid going mummy that's not how you do that or that's not the right that's not how you do that sum and I'm like oh shit I can't do this the pressure that I felt in lockdown to live up to what was expected from the curriculum as an unqualified not even remotely able teacher um was just horrific and especially the last lockdown I think that was kind of like the nail in the coffin for me of having a child in year R, a child in year five and the pressure on the year R kid being unreal like you know I just really felt it and I was failing my children so badly you know there was this one this one particular zoom meeting for, for Toby he's six where he's five at the time they had to draw, create, no, they had to create a mode vehicle of, of some type of vehicle. And it's like five minutes before the Zoom call. And I'm like, fuck, I've not done it. Shit, 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 shit. Toby, go ahead, give him a pen, give him a bit of paper. And he scribbled round. I'm not being funny. The shittest looking thing ever. And I was like, that's amazing. I was like, well done, Toby. Look at its wheel. It just has one wheel that looks like it's like covered in nails. That's great. Yay. (laughs) Let's just use that. And we get onto the Zoom call and there is a fucking kid that has made a car that he gets into. He's made out of cardboard (laughs) and he is is sat in the fucking vehicle. And Toby sat there with basically what looks to be some type of you know, like a homemade bomb device. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, yeah, I'm shit at this. And then that comparison of being like, I'm, I'm not supporting my kids properly. I feel like a shit parent when in actual fact, what I should have done was gone. I'm fucking all of this off. I'm not a teacher. I'm not putting my children through this. Get your tablets, go on your Xbox, go and have a good time. None of us need to worry about this anymore. Then we'll go for a walk. But I just didn't do that. I just, I, I basically drove myself into a ditch of feeling like I was a completely inadequate mum. Yeah. Well, loads of people are going to relate to that, right? Loads of people are going to be, uh, because that's, I think that's kind of how like everyone felt, you know, to some extent. And that's where social media is such a prick because social media is like, Oh, look, my child did it's ABCs and it's only two. And you know, Oh, I've taught my child piano in lockdown and Oh no, you know, Frankie knows fluent fucking German. And, and I don't diss, I sound like I'm dissing those parents. I'm not like I have so much respect for any parent that that's like that. But it, I think it, it almost, I don't know, did it give an unrealistic uh, idea, view of what people were actually doing? Because I don't believe that, you know, Johnny did learn German in lockdown. Mm, yeah, 
Yeah, definitely. I was, I was, do you think that the whole like societal pressure and this whole thing about being perfect as a, a parent, do you think that also plays into account with things like postnatal depression, that extra yeah. pressure when you're struggling to, to bond with your child and then everywhere you're, you're surrounded by people who are just saying about how amazing it is. I remember like when my son was born, when my, my first child was born and, you know, everyone was saying that whole thing of like, oh, when you first uh, look at your child, you're going to feel this feeling that you've never felt before and instantly know that you'll die for them. And like that, that didn't happen. That didn't happen to me. That didn't happen to me at all. You know, it, and so straight away from the moment that child pops out, you're on the back foot then. You're thinking like, oh, crap, like that, that, I didn't get that feeling. You're supposed to get that feeling. Everyone says you get that feeling. Why haven't I got that feeling? And that was before he's, do you know what I mean? They hadn't even washed him. You know, he's still, <laughs> still covered in gunk and I'm already panicking. I'm going to be a shit dad. You know, it just starts like straight away, doesn't it? From the moment that it, that it, all, that it all kicks off. Yeah, but it's actually really nice to hear that from a male's perspective. Because I think that you don't often hear that. And I really like appreciate that um, level of honesty, because I think that there's a huge pressure on dads as well to just not a huge, because there are some dads and they're really fucking terrible at being dads. And there's just this expectation that it all falls to women. But it's really nice to hear a guy turn around and say, you know what, I didn't bond with my kids straight away. Um, Mm. Steve bonded with our boys far quicker than I did but then he wasn't suffering like I did. And yeah, I think that the pressure from society full stop on parenting is through the fucking roof. I don't think you can get it right, really. Um, You know, if you're a woman and you choose to stay at home, you're lazy. If you're a woman and you choose to go back to work, you don't care about your children. If you work part-time, you're not providing enough of a... um, income and you're putting more you know pressure on your husband or I I I used to work part-time like right up until uh when did I leave two years ago I it was only two years ago that I left my what was my previous job as in admin and I was called lazy it was a joke but you know it's like I I really do question anybody that feels like they're allowed to even joke about that being lazy um no I wasn't I was just having to try on a very small wage to support my family the best I could because I couldn't afford to not work I had to work and this was the money that I was bringing in while also having to do childcare, um for childcare while also being a fucking mum you know and I just think that the pressure to be something that I don't know I don't I genuinely don't know what the something is because it's it's impossible to to actually define you're you're fucked either way um you know and we do you know even down to me saying about parents that did everything in lockdown I'm, you know it's I, I am being judgmental and I shouldn't be because fucking good for them you know it wasn't me so I, I shouldn't sit there in judgment over them but we, we, yeah we're just we're so quick to shoot from the hip with regards to life as parents and we should just mind our own fucking business. No, that's true. Yeah, that's true. And I suppose it's that lens of social media, isn't it? You know, cause like if you were a perfect parent in lockdown, more, more power to you. Yeah. But then when that's blasted over all social media and you don't know how much of it is true, that's yeah. the difference, isn't it? Is how much of it is real being a perfect parent. Cause I'm sure yeah. that there might be one or two out there and how much it's pretending to be perfect. We've talked about therapy a lot yeah. and we've talked about, um, you know, all these different things, but is there anything that else that you do to kind of like maintain mental health day to day? 
So I have started yoga. Yoga has been really lovely for me. Um, and I think that it sounds funny, doesn't it? I, you know, I'm at one with myself on the mat, but and it's very difficult. When I first started doing yoga, my head was going at 40 million miles per hour. I'd say my head probably goes at maybe 400 miles per hour now. So I'm getting there. But uh, it's it's another one of those things. You just have to go. I'm just going to give it a go. Um, I, I've always really enjoyed like coloring in. So I have some like really lovely coloring in books. So that's another thing that I do. And I think that kind of involves me to be distracted from my mind at times. So I've really got into upcycling furniture. So I get things from secondhand shops and instead of buying new furniture, I upcycle it. Um, so that's another weird, wonderful, obscure thing that I do. So there's, I've, I've kind of introduced a lot of things into my life that have been um, very transformative in the most simplest of ways that I never thought would work. Mindfulness, but mindfulness is a very hard thing. And I, I, I am a, um, someone with PTSD, it can be very difficult to um, manage mindfulness because, you know, it's just, it can be trickier, but there are actually um, PTSD, trauma uh, informed forms of mindfulness. So it would be going for a walk and counting your steps. So when I first started leaving the house again last year, that was what I would do. And I would constantly remember the, um, you know, put your own oxygen mask on before everybody else. If you walk past somebody and you don't say hello to them, that's okay because you're putting your oxygen mask on before you put on somebody else's. It's that terminology. And every time you forget where you were because you've drifted off and you don't know what number you got to, you go start again. One, two, three, four. And you just kind of are very mindful about what you're doing. I'm walking and I'm taking steps. Um, so like very simplistic forms of mindfulness. I mean, mindfulness is pretty simple, but there are forms of it that I find impossible to do because my mind's just all over the fucking place. Um, so yeah, gardening as well. And I'm not a gardener. Like I kill stuff. I kill plants all the fucking time. But I just like being outside. I think being outside has been really helpful for me, being in nature. I love nature. I don't like flies. I don't like spiders, but everything else can stay. Yeah. That, that, if I wanted to do like a little um, clip to promote this episode out of context, that would be a really good one. Like what do you do for your mental health? I kill, I kill things. I kill, I kill stuff. Yeah, I kill stuff. Feel loads <laughs> <laughs> but a, a lot of the things you mentioned there are, um, are very creative and that's something that's missing from the, we are human beings are all innately creative and we don't have to be creative in the traditional ways that they try and force us to be at school. And yeah. something that I think, um, through talking through lots of people through this platform is that like losing a sense of um, creativity and being able to express ourselves through making or producing or doing something like that, coloring in, you know, building something, bit of gardening, whatever it is, that's really important. Really, yeah. really important. Yeah. Well, I, I also think that we're never given time to, you know, um, I think the Danish, I think it might be, they are like promote especially in parenting like that they promote well-being so you know the working week is 36 hours a week but they have childcare for 40 hours so that three hours a week regardless of you know whether you're in work or not you have three hours a week where you are 
you, you don't have to look after your children and you are encouraged to exercise do whatever it is you want to do go out for lunch go out for dinner whatever and that balance of, of self-care is so high I mean they're kind of one of the happiest places to live in the world I think for that reason because that balance of looking after yourself is there but we don't we don't we're not promote you know we don't promote that uh, enough and I think that it feels selfish which um, I don't know if you, you know you felt like that with looking after yourself and finding the things that work is for me, like I've really had to go through this. This isn't selfish. And I've said that another thing with Steve as well of like, if you want to do something, you start running. If you want to start running and you go, I'm going to go out for a run. It's not selfish. Go do it. Go do it. Promote your mental health. Look after it because the long-term effect of doing those things is that you will feel better. You will be a better person and you'll be a nicer person to be around. Yeah, hundred percent. I used to think to be the best dad I could, to be the best husband I could, to be the best at my job I could. That I just had to like just do all that stuff all the yeah. time, and it, you know, and there was nothing left for me. And once I started putting me first, well, surprise, surprise, I suddenly I was a much better husband to my wife. Yeah. I was a much better father to my kids. You know, my yeah. business started doing better. Yeah. It's just again, it's something that unfortunately we have to learn the hard way, isn't it? Yeah, and, and like I've, I've definitely noticed that as well from coming back from my breakdown last year, because I removed all social media from my phone I had nothing to do with any of it and I thought my career was over I thought this is it you know like I, I really have fucked it now I'm gonna have to go back to living a very different life and um I came back and I've I've realized that in my business which is knee deep in life that is my business there's no denying the fact that that is my career and I love it I love it so much um that I feel more creative now because I can just be me I'm just being me. Like, I'm not trying to be anything. I'm not trying to live up to anybody's expectations. I'm just doing what I want to do. And I'm not questioning it anymore. I'm enjoying myself. And I think that that comes from a level of, of looking at, well, what do I want? What do I want? You know, it's like I said, Steve, what does Steve want? What do I want? I want this. So I'm going to, this is what I'm going to take for myself. And I'm going to nurture it. And I'm going to love it. And I'm going to turn it into something that I deserve. I've worked for this, you know. Yeah. Um, it does make you a better person because it makes you feel like you're worthy of it. Yeah, taking the time to just sit down and ask yourself that question. That's huge. That's yeah. really, really huge. And we just don't think to to do it. And is yeah. that quote, is it James Clear, that quote? And it says people massively overestimate what they can do in a day and completely underestimate what they can do in a year. Yeah. You know? And it's just, if you, if you want something, you want to change, just start chipping away at it. You don't have to do it all in one day. Right. No. Just, it, yeah. But we're impatient people. And fuck knows I am. If I go, I want it. I'm like, I want it now. I can't wait. I need it immediately. Steve's <laughs> like, Laura, no. And I'm like, well, I don't want it now. You know, I want a million pounds. Well, where the fuck are you going to get it from? You know, <laughs> can't just pull it out of your ass, Laura. <laughs> Uh, what, what have you got coming up, Laura? What's um, is anything, what are your plans for knee deep in life? Or is you just continuing to, um, you know, to put that content out there and, and to connect with that audience? Yeah. So a, a tour, I mean, that's something that I've all, I've wanted to do, but I, again, felt like I wasn't good enough, wasn't funny enough, wasn't uh, capable enough. And I've gone, no, fuck it. I want to do it. So that's something I'm working on at the moment that will hopefully be um, a reality towards the end of this year, beginning of next year. Um, continue on my own podcast no holes barred with Vic and we, we're hoping to do a, a tour next year as well um, so just kind of ticking along I think that evolving is probably and knowing that I 
deserve to evolve. I don't deserve to stick in the place I've been because that's all I'm allowed or entitled to. I want to, I want to grow and change with me deep in life and be really proud of how far I've taken it. Oh mate. Yeah. That's lovely. That's really lovely. And um, yeah, that's awesome. I've enjoyed today immensely. I'm so sorry for just how slapdash it's been. I've lost my voice. I was late because I saved a baby bird. I mean, fucking hell. Anything else want to happen today? Anything else? <laughs> I mean, it's still early, you know. So I know it's really early. There's <laughs> plenty of time. We'll just see how it goes. <laughs> yeah, but no, it's, it's it's been wonderful, and I really, really appreciate your time. It's great to meet you, mate. Thank you for coming on. Oh, it's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you for having me. A big up to the proper mental podcast. A proper mental podcast.